Well, it's a real uh, privilege to be with you here tonight and um, expect the Holy Spirit to do amazing things with us here tonight and to encourage you and bless you. And, you know, this is the first time we've been talking for a bit, but it's the first time I actually got to meet firsthand Steve and then Doreen, and it's such a, a privilege to do so. Just such amazing hearts and spirits. And, um, you know, I felt like the Lord, um, I'll go ahead and say this part. I have a prophetic word for the year that I have not yet released in writing, but I have released on on YouTube a couple of days ago, and it'll be out probably next week. And um, the title I have is A Year of Extreme Revelation. And... And even shocking revelation. There'll be a part of it that's good. Well, it's all good. But some of it's more like disclosure. And then other is more like um, the kind of revelation we like. But I was, uh, two of the scriptures I had with this word were Exodus 19.19 and 1 Kings 19.19. And Exodus 19.19, this part's not specifically... uh, uh, for you, Steve, but it's it's connected, and so I'm going to bring bring that back as I go ahead and just tell about this first part. You know, Exodus 19:19 19, 19 is a couple of days after they've left Egypt. The children of Israel has left Egypt, and if you read the heading there on the chapter, it'll say, you know, the Lord reveals Himself on Mount Sinai, and there's instructions that the Lord gives Moses. And uh, what's very interesting, Exodus 19:19. 19, 19, basically says, and when the trump sounded loud and long, or long and loud, then the Lord thundered from heaven. And uh, that goes with the word for the year that I really won't get into tonight. I don't think that aspect of it. Um, For those of you who don't know, I do believe that Trump is orchestrated by God, put there by God when I was looking and receiving... I'm not a Trump fan. I'm just a God fan. And, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I thought he might not be best for the nation a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, like this is going to, this is going to be intense days if he's in charge. And, um, but the Lord hadn't shown me, and I think it was March 6th of 2016 when I'm asking the Lord, you know, like he hasn't shown me. And then I see this vision and the vision is clear. Trump's going to win. And it's the weirdest thing ever because literally... As I'm seeing the vision, I'm out loud saying, oh, no. <clears throat> and, um, and the Lord says, he's going to save you from things you don't know you need to be saved from. And your country will be known as, your nation will be known as before Trump and after Trump. In a good way. And he says, in fact, the whole world will be known as before Trump and after Trump. So part of my word for the year 2019 and 57, 79 ends in nine, but the 2019 is do not expect Trump to be less loud. <clears throat> it was Exodus 19, 19 says, when the Trump sounded long and loud, then the Lord thundered. And so this was tied into extreme revelation uh, coming for us. And, and um, there really is a lot being uncovered. And once we we see better, many are starting to see exactly what he's been ordained to do and what he's been up against. It's not as simple as our 
white Republican agenda. Um, it's much more complex than that. But when we, when we fully understand it, we're going to be blown away by what God has done there. The other scripture is 1 Kings 19.19. 19. Another 1919, not coincidental that these two 1919s go with 2019. And that's the specific scripture when Elijah comes to Elisha and mantles him and anoints him. And Elisha receives the spirit of Elijah, but in the double portion. Remember, that's what he asked, that the spirit that's on you, the double portion would come on me. So um, this is something that I believe portends and speaks into the prophetic movement and the, the season of revelation that we're about to go into this year, I think is going to be unprecedented. It's going to be tied into kind of a macro revelation of what's been going on behind the curtains of nations. And, uh, and it's an, a year of disclosure, but we really are going into this double portion of the spirit of Elijah. Really, Elijah was intimidated out of finishing his ministry in 1 Kings 18 and 19. He takes on, first of all, Baal easily. And then, Elisha, uh, then Jezebel threatens him. And even though an angel come and feeds him angel food cake for 40 days, he still quits and doesn't finish his commission. And in that commission was taking out Jezebel. And so he anoints Elisha. And Elisha is the catalyst for Jezebel being dealt with easily. And there is a release, the spirit of Jehu, there is an aspect of it that is released on President Trump. And there is a Jezebel at a macro level going to be dealt with uh, this year. And I believe there will even be an arrest of somebody who is hosting Jezebel. That will, when that happens, it will represent something that's taking place at a much wider level, including in the body of Christ. But I think what I heard, you know, I, I just, I'm aware by the spirit. And I know some of the story, just the, the tests and, and tests and trials are too simple a word to put what you've gone through. As you were even stating, I heard you say, you know, your life has been at, at risk and at stake doing what you do. And when you allow yourself to be a platform for the prophetic that goes to all the nations and your, and your specific intention of that platform is for it to release hope into God's people, which is what your heart is. There are, there are platforms that, uh, you know, prophetic platforms that they're, they're there to do the finger pointing and you should not do that. And that's okay if they feel like they need to be the ministry of condemnation all over again. But there's something about releasing hope uh, you know, it, it is, it's the army of God. It is the most needed um, value, the most needed spiritual virtue that exists right now in the body of Christ is just to carry hope. And so to, to be there and intentionally try to carry the truth of God and the hope and all that, um, you know, I'm just thinking a lot today and yesterday is just um, how valuable you are and how valuable the two of you are in your ministry and how much the Lord values you. And, and you for sure have been targeted by Jezebel in every kind of way. There's the direct way. There's through witches. It happens through the body of Christ. Through You know, there's a lot of big egos in the prophetic movement. There has been for years and years and years. And you can get targeted by them. 
I can tell you one of the hardest things, uh, I, I can only imagine what Steve has to process and who he puts on and who he doesn't and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, what I was hearing from the Lord is that he's releasing the Jehu anointing into your ministry, the Elijah list this year. This is part of 2019. I think it's on you. I'm supposed to say it's on you now. And from this point forward, and like there's an angel that just came uh, and it carries Jehu in his name. And his assignment is to keep you safeguarded from Jezebelic pot shots, free hits. And I believe it's something uh, that, that you need. And so it's, it allows for that double portion of the Elijah spirit to begin to uh, manifest and show up. You know, essentially, the difference between Elisha and Elijah and what allowed him to carry the double portion of what Elijah could carry is Elisha had a fathered spirit. And Elijah didn't, not necessarily his fault. He couldn't find a father, didn't have his father. You never hear about Elijah's father. But even in that scripture, 1 Kings 19, 19, when he calls, when Elijah calls Elisha, Elisha says, let me go tell my father goodbye first. And Elijah's like, he's a little upset about that, you know, Uh, because he doesn't understand honoring fathers. And, And so that didn't allow him to carry as much as he needed, made him susceptible to Jezebel. And there's a whole nother level of truth for the, for us there and you see that then Elisha followed Elijah and just called him and you looked at him till the end my father my father and so he was a spirit that desired to be fathered and it gave, it gave him unusual authority over Jezebel Jezebel really had no intimidation uh, possibility over him so anyway I just wanted to say that so much I appreciate your ministry who you are what you do what you've gone through the fire you've endured and um I do see just amazing uh, breakthrough coming. I believe you're going to begin to receive prophetic words from the young generation, um, like you've been desiring, that are really high level, and it's going to force an upgrade to the entire prophetic movement because people aren't going to listen to just weak stuff anymore. It's going to have to uh, contend with this next level of high clarity, and uh, it's it's going to be amazing. All right. Let's see what else I was going to say. It was great here, and Katie, I don't know if she's here right now, but uh, Katie, this morning, that was amazing. Uh, the miracles, the way she contends for miracles, and I know her testimony is amazing, and I, I didn't get a chance to hear it uh, here, but I know a little bit about it, and um, I, I just wanted to uh, tell her that if, if she was here, and so if she's listening to it, I just appreciate your heart, your ministry, what the Lord's doing through you. You know, for many years, before the Seven Mountain Message, we kind of became known, uh, what we were known for, signs and wonders and healing is what we did more than anything around the world. And, um, you know, it's a hard ministry. It's a hard thing to do, uh, to contend for people's health. And you, you get judged by the body. It's so hard about, what about the ones that didn't get healed? And, you know, you get held to such a, a, a standard, and we had to teach you know, we raised a bunch of, uh, we had a lot of teams, so we raised the teams, and, and I taught them the Sammy Sosa principle at the time. Sammy Sosa, you know, he's, he's no longer in baseball, but he was a big-time home run hitter, and I remember one time, he played for the Cubs at the time, and there was one game, and it said, uh, you know, Sammy Sosa's 0 for 18, and he struck out his last 17 times, and there's a pit. He, he swings! He's like, boy, you cannot tell by that swing that he has struck out so much. 
And so there was something the Lord began to teach me from that. And they said, the other guy said, well, maybe because he's led the league in home runs the last three years. And it's amazing that in baseball, if you fail seven out of 10 times, you'll make $20 million a year. And that's not fail at hitting a home run. That's just even getting a hit, you know. A home run is one in 20. And, uh, but yet we have this thing, we make it hard on ourselves. It applies to the prophetic as well. But if there's not perfection, we try to knock the person out. You know, it's, it'd be like not allowing a home run hitter because he doesn't hit one every time. And uh, I remember in Peru, uh, we saw all kinds of signs and wonders, but praying for a man who was totally blind. And within about 10 minutes, he could 100% see. And it was awesome. And then the next guy was right beside him. Ends up, he's totally blind as well. My faith is sky high. He doesn't even look as bad as the guy that just got healed. And, and I tell him, this guy, just you're going to see in just a few minutes. And I stay with him 20 minutes. And he never even gets light in his eye. You know, there's nothing. And so what does the team want to know when we get back to the hotel is, why did that guy not get healed? Why is it not celebrating the fact that there was a blind guy that can, you know, see? And so we have to learn how to uh, really process the healing ministry uh, in, a, in a better way. Well, we're thankful for everything that God did. It means he's working, he's doing stuff. And the same way, you don't, you know, you don't, uh, back to the baseball thing. It's like, how did he, how is he missing it seven out of ten times and making $20 million? Well, it's because he's hitting it some. So, we, uh, you know, that's just a free part extra. I don't know. It went, um, All right, well, I want to give away a couple of books um, as, as I get started. And um, the first book I want to give away is my amazing wife's first solo book, God in Every Season, Elizabeth Enlow. Now, we're gonna, you're going to get to hear some from her uh, tomorrow. But in this book, just a couple of things about it. There's, uh, first of all, the premise, the principle there is that there are seasons, you know, there's spring, summer, fall, winter, and that there is a different experience our soul has, that our soul goes through these patterns, these seasons with God. And as we experience him in these seasons, there are different aspects of him that are easier to see in some season, and there seems to be parts of who he is that are hidden or pulled back in other seasons. And she walks you through it in a very unique way. It's associated with four daughters uh, we have, there's a season that goes with each daughter. We have four daughters that we had names picked out, but on every one, the Lord chose the name and gave a message with it. So we have promise, joy, justice, hope, grace, Victoria, and glory, Ruth. And there's one associated with each season. And out of that, there's just some lessons of life that are amazing. Uh, you can imagine how frustrating it would be in the natural if while you're having snow outside, you're going outside and looking at your orange trees and just being so upset. Why is there no fruit on the tree? It's not season for it. It's a season for root. So if you're looking for fruit, when he's dealing with root, you're going to be frustrated. So she has a diagnostic in here. It's just a little 11 questionnaire, 11 questions. And this diagnostic has been completely 100% accurate uh, with everyone, it tells you what season you're in. So in that season, it tells you, uh, in, in the book per chapter, 
It tells you what is the likely lie that you're hearing in that season. What is the aspect of him most visible in that season? What part of him is hardest to see in that season? So it's just, it'll really help your walk with the Lord. So let me give this away to somebody. Holy cow. All right, come on up. You, yes, yes, yes. I, 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 I needed one higher level of passion and she had it. Yes. <laughs> really, I wanted to give 75 out, but I couldn't do that. So, another book, my last book, The Seven Mountain Renaissance, Vision and Strategy Through 2050. Now, this book to me has never become more relevant. Yes, some of you say, wow, just what? Did you say vision and strategy through 2050? Yes, I did. You say, are you saying that Jesus is not returning before 2050? And I'm saying, that's correct. You can, you know, be mad at me for, just go ahead and be mad. Throw things at me, tomatoes, eggs, whatever, for a little while. And um, part of that, it's you've been born, you've been birthed and raised in end times which is a virus that affects the body of Christ. <laughs> and it's been fed to us, and it's been going around for 2,000 years. I've actually studied it. A book we're coming out with in a couple of months here. Uh, I will have it laid out. Every single generation since Paul thought they were the last generation. Every single generation read, seeing that those days coming upon, they all reading the Bible because people say, how can you say it's not? The Bible says it's the last day. I go, yeah, when was that written? Obviously, there's a little different uh, way God takes last days than, than we do. Anyway, it has been strategic from the enemy to get God's people locked in into very lower gains than what he has intended for us. The whole earth is designed to be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea, and his glory will be seen on you. He wants that on his sons and daughters. And if he gets us planning to check out instead and disappear and go, and again, I grew up in that. I remember being 12, 13 years old, and the people, my dad was a minister there, and, and my dad knew, my, ma- my dad was a man of God. He knew that Jesus was going to return before he, he died. Uh, he died 12, 13 years ago, my dad did. But um, he knew that he was. And so they had like all the signs, you know, they, they were just there. Ten horns, everything. And, and again, this is 40 years ago or something. And I remember being like, oh, man, I'm never even going get, to get married. <laughs> it was just depressing. And, um, and if, again, that was a long time ago and I've been married 30 years and, uh, it's been a good 30 years and I got married late at that. And I found out something else, you know, the older a pastor get, the more I notice as he talks about Jesus coming. <laughs> and I think he's right, but I think it's personal and he's trying to sell it to everybody else. And it's just important because we will not accept the assignment. You know, this, this book is so important because the Seven Mountain Renaissance, Vision and Strategy through 2050, goes through every one of the mountains and there's snapshots of what the Lord has shown me is going to begin to change in each one of these seven mountains. And if you don't know what the seven mountains are, media, education, government, economy, family, arts, entertainment, as well as the mountain of religion, that the kingdom of God is going to show up in a majestic way in every single one of these mountains. 
and we haven't even allowed him to go beyond the church mountain at all up till now. So for him to come now would be like watching 20 minutes into a movie and expecting the, the end credits to come up. We haven't even got to the main plot yet. And so for, to think that he's going to come and rescue us, feel like, he's, ah, Michael, get, go get them. You know, a bunch of worthless. They can, they're never going to get anything done. They just get beat up by saying they can't even be uni, unified. You know, I can't even get the pastors in a city to get together. Forget this thing. Just go get them. I'll take care of Satan afterwards. And as if he ever needed help taking care of Satan. You know, like, is that why he made Adam and Eve is like, man, I need some help with Satan. So if he doesn't need help with him, what has he done? He's handicapped himself and he's told Satan, I can eliminate you with the word. How was Satan created? He was created Lucifer. He's supposed to be the light bearing one. He was created with a word. Let there be Lucifer. There was. That's how he does stuff. How close is he to extinction? Let there not be Satan. (laughs) I'm serious. He's that close to extinction. You say, why didn't he do that? That's not the story. He's told Satan, I can extinguish you with a word, but I'm going to raise sons and daughters in my image. And though you were disloyal to me, you were unfaithful to me, even while seeing 100% of my glory, I brought you in all the way. You were a traitor. You were treasonous. They are going to see not even 1% of my glory. And you're going to lie to them generation after generation after generation, but some, they're suddenly going to start getting on to you. They're going to stop believing you. And they're going to, stop believe, they're going to start believing who I am. And they're going to begin to arise and shine with my glory and my light in the nations. And they are going to crush you. They are going to crush you. The God of peace will crush Satan under our feet, the Bible says. So we don't want to take away the joy of his storyline. See, there's a majestic storyline that he is orchestrating. And it's where the assignment gets done with us. Arise, shine. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen on you. Behold the darkness, the deep darkness, but the Lord will arise on you. His glory will be seen on you. Nations will walk to the light of the sons of God. And so this book goes into so much more than that. We we cover, uh, it's just never been more relevant in in light of what's taking place in our nation right now. There is full war going on. Okay, you right there, you can come on and get it. Full war going on behind the scenes in our nation <laughs> you're welcome blessings and um, it will be like nothing else you've read you won't like oh I read this you won't say that about this book you may get mad at it but you will not say I read this before somewhere and I don't think you'll get mad it'll fill you with hope and it's important for us to understand we're here for an extended season plan for your kids your kids kids your kids 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 You're going to see no tribulation, no great tribulation, no false prophet, no antichrist in your life, your kid's life, or your kid's kid's life at minimum. You can believe me now or just find out later. But we're supposed to plan for legacy. We're here for a while. The whole earth is going to be filled 
with the knowledge of the glory of God. The glory of how he is in government, the glory of how he operates in media, economy, education, etc., etc. So that's what that's all about. All right, the last one. This is a workbook. Rainbow God, the seven colors of love. These are all related. Let me tell you about this first. You go, what? Rainbow God? Rainbow? This works out this part of the message as well. He was singing, uh, Steve was singing about rainbow around the throne. That right there ought to tell you that if you are offended with the rainbow because of the LGBTQ, I don't even know how many letters are supposed to go there anymore. Um, I, I, them taking the rainbow uh, and, th- and you're like, man, just I don't know on the rainbow. Listen, there is a full rainbow around the throne. And uh, he's not going to remove it because we're offended by it. Furthermore, you can ask Kat Kerr. It comes from the Father, inside the Father. The rainbow comes out from him. And it's associated with the seven spirits of God. And there's a color associated with each one of the seven spirits. Part of what we're restoring in the seven mountains of society is who he is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Revelation 4, verse 5, John said, And I saw around the throne there were seven blazing flames of fire. These are the seven spirits of God. The next chapter, John also said, And I saw around the throne a lamb as though it had been slain. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, and these are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. So out of that, we understand, first of all, we need to get a new picture. You know the picture of the Lamb of God, a little pretty lamb? Uh, Seven horns and seven eyes. Not so visually appealing, apparently. But um, it's speaking to us something very important. Horns speak of foundations of power. He has seven bases of power. There are seven mountains. There are seven gates of hell. One that operates on each one of the mountains. And there are seven spirits of God that are provided. He provides of himself. He doesn't just say get it done. He provides of himself who he is to be the displacer, the burning blazing flame of fire that we can each carry as we are in his image to the tops of those mountains. And that's what eliminates the enemy. I'll get into that a little more. But this book, Rainbow God, The Seven Colors of Love, the workbook, goes with, we used to sell them as a set. And we were selling them very well. All right, I'll go to you when the time comes. And we now have them. It's YouTube, right, Elizabeth? It's on YouTube. We have, there's nine videos, and they're for free. And this is the workbook that goes with it. And there is an association we have made with the seven mountains, the seven spirits of God, the seven colors of the rainbow. And so there's red that goes with the mountain of media. And there's orange that goes with the mountain of family, yellow that goes with the mountain of arts, green that goes with the mountain of economy, blue with the mountain of religion, uh, dark blue, indigo with the mountain of education, violet with the mountain of government. Color C, I should have done it in order. Which one did I forget? Anyway, one with each. And, um, And it really gives us a relational understanding of our assignment that really inspires us more. We've been preaching this thing on the seven mountains for 13 years. 
And, uh, you know, at first it almost came across as a get her done. We got to get it. Come on, we got to do. But this is about discovering God, learning who he is, studying his face, carrying his presence, carry his image. What does the nuance of love look like on that mountain and carrying that into that mountain of society? And that's what displaces the darkness that's there. And so this is um, this is something we love. We decided this year to put it on for free out there for free because we don't want. People were not being able to afford to get it. And so the only thing you do have to get is the work. You don't even have to get the workbook, but it really helps you assimilate it in ways. This, this, will, this will give you, I don't, I don't want to overstate that. I'll just say people who came to our course when we were doing it, who had been believers 30 and 40 years, said, I thought I was close to the Lord. He says, but I just did not know him at all until I took this course. Because it's understanding the nuances of who he is in every area of society. A.W. Tozer said, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. And if you see a limited God, if you only see a one color God, if you only see a God that has, you know, he's going to rapture us and he's going to destroy all the bad guys by himself. But it's all futuristic. You know, your thoughts about God, the things that come to your mind when you think about God, is the most important thing about you because you are determining what kind of measure, what measure of the kingdom you're going to carry in your life based on that perspective of who he is. And this is designed to expand your perspective on who he is. We're going to go there a little more even during this meeting. And then I believe we're going to have some uh, supernatural encounters with the seven spirits of God at the end of this meeting as well. And that, that should be fun. Okay, sir, uh, I'll give you this. Blessings on you. You know, speaking of, I asked the Lord about the rainbow. I was like, is that offensive to you that, you know, it's being taken by these other communities and, and whatnot? I was like, just like blasphemy. Like, are you really worried? He's like, no, 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 let him do it. Because I'm going to pull him right up on my rainbow. So I just thought it was a good answer from him. Let me tell you just a little bit more about that. So, I feel like just to connect a little testimony story uh, to the rainbow God concept. Again, if you've never heard of the seven mountains, where it comes, there is a strong biblical basis for it. Revelation 17, 9 is the specific scripture that mentions the term seven, uh, seven mountains. And it says, and the woman, she sits or lies on seven mountains, depending on what version of the Bible you have. And it's talking about, Revelation 17 is talking about essentially Satan's operating system on planet earth. She's called the prostitute, the great harlot, and it describes her in many different ways. And then it tells us in verse 9 that she sits on the seven mountains. It gives us understanding and insight that the enemy has a seven mountain strategy prong approach of how he goes after the nations. And he goes after his assignment. What's the enemy's assignment according to scripture? He comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. So he, he doesn't have to have 7.2 billion plans in order to kill, steal, and destroy. He calls his evil lieutenants and he assigns one to the mountain of media. And he says, in media, you will release bad news, crooked news, Fake news, distorted news, gossip, their kingdom advances in good news. 
The word gospel means good news. There is no greater privilege than being a minister of the gospel. Good news, not just that Jesus saves, but good news in general. The body of Christ is, we're needing to catch up there. And so, Satan understands that if the kingdom of God advances with the essence of positive, encouraging communication, that his kingdom is going to advance with negative, discouraging, lying communication. So the mountain of media, perhaps like no other day in, you know, in history, we can see that we're aware of it. Our president has made us aware of it in every conceivable way. I was aware of it before he was even president and was telling the dangers of media. Because media has this ability to set the tone for a nation, to present a narrative that a nation has a choice to believe or not believe, and you move based on the narrative that you have believed. If you think about the children of Israel, when they were going into the promised land, they had the 10 spies, and then they had Joshua and Caleb. They were the media. They went to report to the people if the land was such as the Lord had said. And you had 10 unanointed seers, 10 unanointed reporters came back and said, listen, there are a lot of giants the enemy is huge there. We were like grasshoppers compared to them. Don't even think about it. It's better if we go back to Egypt than to try to take that on. Let's just wait for the rapture. Let Jesus do all this stuff. And then we had Caleb and Joshua. They all saw the exact same thing. The difference was 10 were anointed, two were, the other way around. 10 were unanointed, two were anointed. We had unanointed seers and anointed seers. It's super important. Even what comes out of Elijah list here is important for the whole body of Christ because there is a narrative that's being presented to the body of Christ. And is it one of just pointing out the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, the sons of Anak? Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Somebody needs to know. Everybody, the body of Christ sends these emails to each other all the time. And they, you know, people just need to know. Why? So, well, so we can be scared. And intimidated and pray for Jesus to come and rescue us again. And so it really is critical what is coming out of media, what is coming out of, you know, I was not supposed to go this long on this thing, but I'll go ahead. While I'm in it, I'll stay with media anyway. This is about the seven mountains and the enemy having a, a strategy on the mountain of media. I stuck on media because it's so profound what the enemy is doing where this nation doesn't even know what's the truth or not because it's been distorted. And literally, I don't either. I have to read something five from five different sources, ask the Holy Spirit, and then be 90% sure. Because there's so much twisted news, so much distortion, so much wrong narrative being sold to us even as a nation but again this thing is happening in the body of christ and the enemy where he specifically came into the body of christ again he just has to sell a couple of doctrines and it it leaves it disempowers the entire body and those two doctrines are again this end timesitis this virus that goes around well you know we don't have time to do it we can't have a kingdom harvard we can't have anything that's going to be legacy for the next generation. Anything that's going to require a few years, we can't contend for it. I mean, Jesus is about to return. Did you see the moons or four blood moons? It's all over now. And so we have this stuff every single year. We have somebody saying that it's the end. It's the end. It's the end. It's the end. We don't have time to do anything. And so guess why our kids don't want to be in church? They're wired for extreme world makeover. 
This next generation is wired for that like no other generation has ever been wired. And you tell them things are going to get worse, 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 prepare to die. Like they're not going to hang with you. They're not going to hang with us. So if you can't, if you're a pastor, if you can't change your message for doctrine's sake, change it so you'll have a church. I wasn't supposed to go there either. All right. So back to where I was. I was telling a story with it. So the enemy has an assignment on every one of the mountains. Satan has a lieutenant in my book first. Uh, I don't have any here. I don't think the seven mount prophecy that came out in 2008. I address seven principalities, one on each mountain. And they have a simple assignment. It's to distort the image of God that's supposed to be showing up in that mountain. And they promote a lie on that mountain. And again, on media, I believe Apollyon, he's a destroyer. And his name means destruction, destroyer, and what he, he does that with bad news. And then you go to Mammon on the mountain of the economy, and he has fear, greed, fear, greed, fear, greed. That's their strategy. That's their lie. And mountain by mountain, there is a plan the enemy has. Corruption in government. Jezebel in arts and entertainment. Anybody who makes it high there, they know. You make some deal. You got this Illuminati stuff. You got these other things, and you make these contracts, and you have these agreements with demonic forces, and they will take you to the top. The problem is once you get to the top, then they're done with you, and they throw you over, and you die of drugs, or you get shot, or you something like that happens. And so we're not going to overcome those enemies by fasting and praying in the church 40 days for each mountain. We have to actually occupy the territory. You know, in government, even if we had the unity of the entire body of Christ in the United States to fast and pray for 40 days and say, Lord, remove all corruption from government and all those corrupted from government. It would probably work if we could do that because unity will work. It's just like we can't imagine that happening. But the question would then be, after 40 days, and it worked, and demonics Demonic forces are out. People are gone. We have a vacant mountain of government. Who's going to rule? Seven times worse show up. You know, that was the word to Joshua. Everywhere the sole of your feet touch, that is yours. Did not say everywhere you can send a prayer missile is yours. That's why they could not take Jericho from the wilderness. They had to get to Jericho. Prayer is super important. It is mighty. We need it targeted towards the seven mountains, but it must accompany a movement of feats. Feats. Isn't that a great word? Okay, I'm going to pretend like I'm talking about feats, F-E-A-T-S, instead of uh, the wrong plural on F-E-E-T. Never mind. If you didn't pick that up, that's better for me. Okay, here's the story. So, I travel around the world and... Ever since this message was given to me in 2008, uh, no, actually 2006, the book came out in 2008, um, the Lord's had me go around, declare everywhere I go that God is big enough to change everything, to take everything, to take every mountain. He has solutions, answers, anointing. There is no such thing as an impossibility for him in any nation on any mountain, period. And as I go around the world, almost without exception, as I declare that something happens where there is an opening that is unexpected often i've been so i've met with heads of state of 25 or more nations 
presidents, prime ministers, generals, the top hundreds of congressmen, senators, stuff I was never trained for. But just as I declared, it opens up that atmosphere. It opens up that realm. It opens up things in the spirit. So in that, the story I wanted to connect to you, you two, is that I was invited a couple of years ago to a certain nation in South America. I guess I'll tell it. I sometimes wonder if I should tell or not tell. I'm like, who's going to get hurt from it? I don't know. I just, you know, just say it. It was Colombia. And um, I was invited by a governor of the most populous state there, governor and the comptroller. And I was invited as a social reformer. One of the awesome things about carrying this message is I now also tag myself as a social reformer. Uh, you know, not just a prophet or apostle or a pastor or whatever else, but I'm a social reformer. And he had read my book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, and on a previous trip, he had asked me if I would minister to his government people, and I said yes, and, and you know, to shorten the story, I have, it, what was unique about this trip is usually when I end up connecting with government people, I'm coming to a church conference such as this, and then on the side, I have those type of meetings, but I was actually Paid for, invited, paid for by government. They paid for the flight. They paid for the hotel. They paid for security. They paid for everything while I was there. And I have one full day. It was two days with government people. But the, the first meeting is what I wanted to tell you about. I had from 8.30 to 11.30, three hours with 200 government workers. And I'm introduced as a social reformer by the governor. By recommendation of the governor, they're all to come. He says they weren't obligated, but every single one in his nine-story building showed up there. So I'm in downtown Bogota, and uh, again, by request of the governor and the controller, we have 200 people, and of these, not even a handful are believers. And this is stretching me as well because I'm there as a social re reformer, but it's just like, how, how, how do I get this message to them? I'm, I wasn't quite sure I was going to do this. And long story short, what the Lord led me to do is kind of to lay out this rainbow God story I'm telling you about. And so I began talking to these 200 members of government, and I began telling them about, uh, you know, I tell my past that I was, uh, I was born in Peru, South America. My parents were missionaries, and I was a pastor, and now I'm a social reform, reformer, and I travel around, and I talk with government people and give some answers and solutions and, and uh, you know, tell them things like that. And so I said, Jesus said, I just jumped, I didn't tell them to turn to the Bible. I didn't say go to their Bible or anything. I just said, you know, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And I said, this is really true. And... I said, the Bible also tells there are seven spirits of God. So I, I make this connection. I tell them all about the seven spirits of God, the seven colors of the rainbow, and the seven areas of society. And I have it on a chart that I, that I, that I have on, on, uh, on a screen there for them. And, and they're fascinated by it. And, and, they're fasc and I have the name of an archangel of each mountain. And I have that on charts as well. Stuff the Lord showed me. I can't get into much of it right now. I'll just throw out like Gabriel is the archangel of the mountain of media. Like Apollyon is the bad guy on that side. And that's like, whoa. But when you find out Gabriel's on our side, you go, whoa. Okay. All right. That's not so bad then. No, it's not so bad. Whatever the enemy has on his side, we have something bigger and better. You know, people get all, 
We, they get weirded out when we mention angels' names, and, and, but we have no problem having conferences on Jezebel and Baal and Leviathan and Mam. We can talk about the devil and his name all the time, but you mention our guys, Gabriel, Raphael, Uriel, these guys, people, wait, 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 what? why are you doing that? When, why are you starting to worship angels? I have four daughters I named, but I didn't start worshiping them just because I gave them a name, just to identify somebody and their role. But anyhow, you know the impact it does to you to find out their names as well. Every one of their names, the archangel's names, reflects an aspect of God that they are restoring into society. So anyway, I'm telling unbelievers about the seven mountains. And they have, I have less trouble explaining it there than I do in a denominational church. We'll see, I won't mention any denominations. And so they're just eating it all up. So I tell them as well, I said, now listen, the reason you care about government is because God cares about government. And I said, now listen, you may be an atheist today. And if you want to stay an atheist, you can stay an atheist. But the reason you care about government is because God cares. I said, you are the light of the world. And Jesus, when he said you are the light of the world, he says, this light cannot be hidden, but must be made available for a whole city or nation. And it shines on a candlestick. And I told him a candlestick has seven colors. And that's where I made this connection of there's a color associated with each spirit of God. So I told him, I said, all of you who love government and here for government, you actually carry the violet color of who God is. And, and they're just like, they were fascinated by that. I said, how many of you, the reason you work in government is one day you decided like, well, you know, I could be crooked. I could be corrupt and I could be rich doing that. I said, could you just, was that your motivation? Raise your hand. Of course, nobody's going to raise their hand, even if it was, but it's pretty safe. I said, but go back to the original inspiration you had, that original inspiration on why you wanted to work in government. And so I said, that initial spark you had, that concern for justice, something being done better, that initial spark was God. I said, now, perhaps what you didn't know is that since that initial spark was God, God is also available to help you. And if you don't know you're sent by him, if you don't know you're in partnership with God for his kingdom on earth, you won't ask him for help. I said, how many of you need help doing what you're doing? Yeah, well, hands all over the place. So I begin telling him about supernatural things God has done. I tell him everywhere I go in government, the number one word I hear everywhere is impossible. Impossible. Not enough money, taxes, the people, corruption, impossible. The word impossible is just, it floods the mountain of government. And I said, there is no such thing as impossible. I said, it's impossible for there to be an impossibility for God. That's the only thing there's impo there's, that's impossible. And I tell them some stories of some things. We're in the process of doing a documentary for the nation of Peru because the Lord has helped us be catalytic. Where the nation in 1999, I'll slow down to say this. In 1999, the nation of Peru had a 90% extreme poverty rate. It was the same as Haiti. Haiti is still there. Peru's extreme poverty rate now is 4%. It's called the Peruvian economic miracle. And the Lord had us key catalytic role there. I may or may not have a chance to tell you some more in that. But we've seen a whole nation shift and change where it's a head scratcher. It's called the Peruvian miracle, not by believers and Christians, 
Most don't even know about it. This is called by the United Nations International Observers. They're the ones like, how did that happen? How did unemployment in Lima go from 57% to 7% in 10 years? Things like that. So we've seen a God. So we tell these stories in government. So I'm letting you know how the kingdom of God operates in the mountains a little bit. And we get, you know, 1130. And I said, well, you know, it's been great being with you. I could tell they had been hungry. They were loving everything we're saying. And uh, I said, now, listen, as I told you before, I, I, you know, I was a minister. So, you know, if you just let, I want to pray for just whoever will let me pray a simple prayer before I go. That's okay, because I was a minister. I was a missionary's kid. You know, I have, nothing's been religious. I've been telling God this stuff, but it's been nothing like they've ever heard God talked about. It's in the, in the light of what I'm just telling you. And so, as I, um, as I get to that point, I said, now listen, if the following three things are true with you, I said, I'm just going to ask you to quickly stand up, if they're true, so I can just do a closing prayer. I said, if number one, you go, you know what? I had no idea that I'm a partner with God in bringing his kingdom to earth. And I learned that today. Number two, you said, if I need help, he'll help me. And all I have to do is ask. I need help. Number three, you have a specific area you need, like solutions. Like the solutions that I had told them about. I said, if you know these three things are true with you, I said, I'm just going to ask you to quickly stand up. All 200, boom, as one. I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. And so I began to pray for him. I said, Lord, I thank you. These, your sons and daughters have recognized that they're partners with you. I thank you. Now this partnership will begin to bring light and solutions in the nation of Colombia. And um, I get done praying that and the spirit of God's still there. And so I can't just quit this thing. Um, Even though I'm in a government building and I'm supposed to be done at 1130 and all that kind of stuff. So I say, sir, in the corner, I believe your shoulder, you couldn't even lift it up uh, when the meeting started, the pain's all gone. He goes, he interrupts. Yeah, I was just, he's like, I could not lift this arm up at all. Look, look, this is gone. My lady, I think your migraine that you came in with. Yeah, that's true. I had about four words of knowledge. They're just real quick like that. But I didn't tell him it was a word of knowledge. I just said stuff. So, <laughs> um, so I get done with that and I'm like, wow, spirit of God's still here. And uh, what am I going to do? You ever see the old Columbos, you know? Uh, one more. So I was like, and I was Leo, thank you. And I was like, I was like could I just do one more thing? They're, yeah. I said, listen, some of you may be thinking, well, if I already work for God, the reason I care is because of God. I'm asking him to help me. Why can't I be close to God like you are? And I said, you can. You may be saying, I-, I would like him living inside me. I-, I lay out the brief salvation thing for them. I said, all you got to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that his blood was shed on the Calvary for you. And so I talk a minute about that. And I said, so listen, l- let me make this clear. I said, he's going to help you. This is disconnected from what we already did. He saw you stand. He saw you ask for help. He's going to give you answers, solutions. He comes in as far as you let him. But if you want him living inside of you, and if you want to be sure you spend eternity with him, you can also, we can do that prayer as well. So if that, if you'd like to just stand up.
All 200 as one. Boom. I don't mean like anybody else. No, I mean like as one. One second. That was like, wow. So I pray for them. I ask the Holy Spirit to fall on them. <laughs> Encounter them. And so I'm done and I, I dismiss them. And as I dismiss them, again, I'm in a government building, seventh story, whatever. It's not, it's not church. And, and I'm there as a social reformer. And a guy comes up to me and says, uh, could you pray? My wife has stage four cancer. And, and could you pray? I got her on the phone. I'm like, okay. So we pray for her. And I find out a month later, then three months later, confirmation both times, stage four cancer was immediately by the phone, killed. And so then for the next hour, they come up one by one. I didn't ask anybody. They weren't given permission to come up. It's go back to work. It's all. But one by one, they, could you pray for this? Could you pray? Could you pray? Could you pray? And, and what was worse or better, I don't know what you want to say, is as they would, as I would, you know, I touch them. I'm trying to be, you know, discreet and everything. And, and so I, I touch them and, and they start doing this kind of <laughs> deal. And I'm like, <laughs> and demons start, <laughs> and I'm going, and it's like, there's way too much power here. You know how you usually, more Lord, more Lord. I was like, Lord, less, less. I'm in a government building. He didn't pay attention. So that happened for one hour. And um, then we dismissed him. Then the afternoon, I had a meeting with 50 mayor's wives. We did the same thing all over again. So if you think it's fun in a regular conference meeting to have that kind of presence and power, let me just tell you, in a government building and you come in as a social reformer, it is like a hundred times more fun. Let me just tell you that right now. And, you know, it's my assignment is to go into the body of Christ and say, hey, people with the presence, the power, the anointing, we've got to show up in society and bring that there. Keep having your good meetings. Let's get the volcano going in here. Let's get the fire going. But we got to show up Monday through Friday in every area of society. And we got to carry his image, his nuanced image in every area of society. What was good for, I didn't know, but this is beginning to happen more and more because then I won't tell you these other meetings. But um, here I, I go to where they're already on the mountains and tell them, guess what? You work for him. The reason you care is because he cares. I want to explain to you sometimes how, you know, sometimes. Let me just explain how different that is than the general crusade thing that we have. It's the opposite. We do crusades and we say, you don't know God, you're distant from God, you know nothing, you are nothing, come to him, he'll give you life, he'll give you a purpose, forget everything else, leave it all. And so they come, they give their life to Jesus, 40 years later you do a survey in your church, how many know for sure what they're called to do? They're like 3% know. You're like, wait a minute, that, that didn't really work. So I go, and I tell them, instead of disconnecting him from God, I connect him to God. I want to bring this up to you as a strategy, especially if you get to following the rainbow God stuff and look into that. You can begin to connect people to God instead of disconnecting them from God. Instead of telling them how distant they are from God, how bad sinners they are, 
You tell them you find the kingdom of God is like a treasure hid in the field. You find the little treasure of God that's in them. You validate it and tell them how it's connected to him. And you find out all of a sudden they want everything he is and has. So I left a government building with 200 people who know their assignment, know their call. They're saved. They're looking for solutions and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're getting healed on top of it. So let me give you some more understanding on that for those who don't. It's uh, the seven mountains. It came as revelation to me in August of 2006. I had been sort of complaining with God for years. I was touched by God in Toronto. My life is before and after Toronto, the blessing there. His presence and power was amazing. You know, I was never, I told my wife, we got married. I'm never going to listen. We're never going to do the missions thing, the nations thing. Um, we're always going to serve God, but behind the scenes, my dad had worked too much, too little fruit. Yeah, I just had impatience. Like if we're going to do something, God, we have to get more done. We can't just like plow. And, uh, so the Lord's allowed us to see amazing things happen, but everywhere something amazing's happened, my dad was there first. And so the Lord tells me every time, just to let you know, you're reaping where he plowed, where he sowed. <laughs> so. That helps balance things out too. But anyway, so immediately we started seeing, you know, I was blown away. Amazing healings, some of what I was telling you. Every kind of healing, deliverance, and we began taking teams, did over 100 mission trips and took teams of 30, 40, 50 people, and everybody was seeing miracles. But I was being challenged because I would come back a year or two later to that same city, and that city, it was like it hadn't changed. And it bugged me. I was like, you know what? We had thousands get saved here, perhaps thousands healed. And this city, they're still dirt poor. Education's still a mess. They're still jobless. Government's still corrupt. And so I began taking these things to God. I'm thinking we're going home and we're telling the testimonies. We're getting more people. But I had this... inside of me because I'm reading these more dangerous scriptures asking me the nations for an inheritance and I'll give them to you. Nations will walk to the light of the sons of God. And, and, and it's just not connecting and tying in and I'm studying history and, it's, and I'm seeing no place in history where enough people get saved or healed for it to change a place in a transformational way. The Hebrides Island I think was being mentioned last night. Even that, you know, it's like overnight 90% of the Hebrides Island come to the Lord because he visits And it's amazing and it's awesome. But now, last numbers I heard, there's like 4% believers in the Hebrides Island. How do you even go from 90% to 4% in a half a century? A little more. How do you lose that much ground? The Lord spoke to me, says, the grace was there for more than just souls. But nobody had a vision for it. And because of that, when the enemies don't get challenged on the tops of the seven mountains, the enemies then do their work, their, their damage. They don't have to have a plan against every single person. They release sludge from the tops of the mountains, and it begins to eliminate kingdom advances. So the season we're going into now, there really is a visitation coming. I think 
and expo- explosions of glory are coming this year. And I think the Lord is wetting our appetite and he's got everybody speaking into it. And we want, we desperately need the healing What Katie's walking in. We need that. We need, you know, 10,000 Katie's walking around with that. We need healing, 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 healing in every kind of way. We need, all need to operate in that in a whole nother level. And we need to see, you know, all, all, the, all the, the things that have blown us away of the goodness of God when he shows up in all kinds of supernatural ways in church. But you know what? The problem is we could settle with that because we always have. And when he's sending enough grace for more than that, when you don't take advantage of the grace that comes in, there's a price to pay after that. Our nation right now, the tops of all the mountains are taken by criminal syndicates. Trump has called to clean that out. And the Lord showed me the vision. The Lord says, I am not the tops of all the seven mountains. He is wiping them clean, the top of all of them. And he said, I could have done this a long time ago. He says, what good would it have done? All of you are just going to stay in church and say Jesus is coming any day. And so seven times worse would have taken. He says, but I at least have a Gideon group working on it now. And so I'm, and it's too hard for you to get there because there's too much darkness. The gatekeepers of the tops of the mountains are satanic. They're in league with Satan. They know they're in league with Satan. Don't want to get into the stories right now. And so... He is coming with presence, with revival, with healing, but it cannot be enough. We cannot be like just the renewal junkies we used to be. I was one of them too for a season. You know, renewal junkies from Toronto, you'd go and like, hey, there's another meeting that you went on Sunday, then Tuesday and Wednesday is one. Thursday, you know, seven renewal meetings a week was not enough. We're going to, and so it's sort of the equivalent of, you know, like going to gas stations and, uh, hey, there's another gas station. So you go, and it's just bubbling over. There's another one. So, you know, at some point, your car needs to go somewhere with it. And your car was designed to go to the tops of the mountains. And there is a greater grace there. And I tell people, you know, we, we trained thousands in the prophetic and we have prophetic training manuals and all that and uh, but yet if I I would go to the mall sometime with teams and and you know I'd give a word to somebody and I'd go I hope that was right and I'm the trainer and uh but I meet with a president I said let me tell you what's going to happen I told this to an actual president I said in the next three days there's going to be a couple of earthquakes in your nation and he goes because oh, I'd already told him about one before that happened and I said, they're going to be, I said, don't, don't act like that. I said, that's the problem in your nation. You get scared so easy. You need to stay calm. I said, they're going to be like five, 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 something like that. It's not going to be damned. It's not going to be like the last one. There's going to be no death from it. So I'm telling you ahead of time. So you stay calm. You keep them calm. He goes, oh, okay. That was on a Monday. Wednesday, there was a 5.2 and a 5.5 there. And, you know, when I leave the place, I go, why was I so confident? Hind's feet on high places. We were actually made to go in higher places than what we're operating in. But our fear and like, I'm, you know, I'm not, I can't even give a word in the mall. How can I? And I'm not saying, you know, can't go anywhere where you're not given an open door. Part of what the Lord's allowed me to experience and see is because I am operating as a forerunner, pioneer. I need to see things 
advance with enough kingdom manifestation that I can report on that to God's people and say, listen, what he wants to pour out through us, his love, his presence, his solutions, it will work everywhere. It won't just work. It's not just for church. It's to work everywhere. Okay. So. That will make a plan. We were just talking there for a little bit. Everybody okay so far? The best days ever are coming. They're straight ahead. For this nation, it's going to be intense. Uh, It is intense. It's already intense. And you can, you know, choose to enjoy this ride. Some of the things we can't see, we won't see. But, you know, people go to Six Flags all the time to get scared to death and go on thrills. Just... When you're not sure what's going on, just raise your hands. Uh, but it's, it's going to end up good. So we're giving you the biblical foundation um, for this. The Lord, when he first spoke to me, I was telling you in August 2006, when he finally spoke to me, he says, Johnny, I'm going to give you the template for how my kingdom is coming. And I didn't know other people were also already getting the template. It was my shock to find out other people had already been told about seven mountains. <clears throat> Imagine God telling more than one person something. <laughs> and he said, in the same way the children of Israel had seven enemy nations, the Hittites, Jebusites, Girgashites, Ites, you know, all of them. He says, in the same way there are seven enemy nations. And these are the seven mountains. And he had me, there's a comp- it's for nights, multiple nights, months of nights. He began to speak to me. He had me research and studying out of that came the seven mountain prophecy, the original book. And uh, there was a whole nother level of signs and wonders associated with it. I remember the first nation, city, nation that I, a city was San Jose, the nation of Costa Rica, where I took that message to. I remember carrying the message of God being bigger than every enemy in a whole nation. It's just like, it's like, and I believed it and I knew it. And I was like, wow. Again, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. And, and so, and I was like, this is like a nuclear bomb I'm carrying here. And I remember being at the conference and saying, for me, simply just to declare to you that God has a solution. And I went through every mountain, what the enemy is doing, what he's been doing, how bad it is, but how great God's storyline is going to be on every one of those mountains. And I said, for me, simply to declare this to you, just a declaration of it is so powerful that it could blow the national power grid. I was at 8.10 p.m. April 19th, 2007. Like, at that precise moment, the national power grid of Costa Rica blew. And the entire nation went pitch black for five hours. And, um, and a volcano that had been silent for 60 years started blowing. It was kind of scary, actually. But the Lord told me later, he said, This message is going to be challenged. The enemy does not want this message out. Your biggest enemies are going to come from the old guard within the church. It's going to be those holding on to demonic doctrines that keep the church in weakness, in hiding. You cannot rise and shine while hiding and whining. You cannot simultaneously head to the caves with enough gold, the three G's, gold, gun, grain. That's not your future. I'm going to tell you you have bought into the storyline of the wrong spies if that is your plan for the future. You do not need it. 
And if you need it, you're in more trouble than you can imagine. You're going to be this great Christian with gold and grain watching your neighbors all die. You see, it's, it's a bad plan from every kind of way. That's another story. Okay. So there are signs and wonders to the next level God has associated with what he wants to do. And he's plenty big, plenty good, plenty majestic. He has everything that's needed and he only looks for sons and daughters to operate and work with. Back to the Revelation 17, 9. Where the enemy, the woman sits on seven mountains. The enemy's strategy. I was telling you something about what he does in media. Apollyon in media, spread bad news. Jezebel spreads distortion, seduction, witchcraft, the mountain of arts and entertainment. Mammon does what he does. Every one of them are a lie. They're a lie. Every one of those are a lie. The lie on the Mount of Arts Entertainment is if you make an alliance with the demonic, you will have prosperity. You will advance. Our assignment on that mountain, for instance, is not to learn to rebuke Jezebel, have a 40-day fasting session to cast out Jezebel from Hollywood. People have tried that. It didn't work. Again, the assignment is to overcome lies, and we overcome it with people of truth. We come in his image. People who carry the yellow, people who carry the creative image of God are supposed to show up on that mountain and carry the best music, the best movies, the best fashion, the best everything, because they've hung with God, the only creator of the universe, the true creator, and he's given his image to them, and people go, where did you get that from? God. Some way or another, it comes out in their story. And then a new storyline comes out. A new narrative develops for Hollywood. Well, the people who are getting all the best movies, songs, fashion, everything, are people who are hanging with God. I want to hang with God instead of with Jezebel. Because I end up depressed and dead with her. So on every mountain, there is an assignment by the enemy. Again, don't have, that's what's in our resources. And, and uh, I so recommend them, not because we're trying to sell resources. Truly would give all the resources if I was assured people would read it all the way through. Even the ones when you buy the book, don't just buy it, read it. It is revelation. It will expand your perspective on who God is. And if you have an expanded perspective on who God is, it puts a demand on your spirit. You wake up different the next morning. You do not allow the enemy to get away with things he used to get away with. David, when he showed up and he saw Goliath, he just believed in a different God. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Saul was the giant of Israel. He was the seven-footer, and he was scared to death of the nine-and-a-half-footer because the enemy got us comparing with him. I'm here. Where are you? Are Saul's servants? You know, all this. David shows up and is like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He has defied the armies of the living God. He said a different narrative there. He's like, this is not about us. This is not about us. This is him and him. And I'm standing for him. And so he's dead. (laughs) 
we know he's dead. He says, because he says, um, David, before he even tells him what he did, he says, uh, what will be done for the man who takes care of this big mouth? He says, uh, king's daughter, he will be wealthy, no taxes ever. David goes, yes. He says, uh, I kill lions and bears easy with my bare hands. If you get it, it's like people go, yeah, that prepared him for it. It prepared him for it. It's a hundred times harder to kill a lion and a bear with your bare hands than a nine and a half footer who has 150 pounds of armor on him. David's like, in this narrative, he is uncircumcised Philistine, not because I'm insulting him, but because he is in our territory. And this is territory given to us by Father God to Abraham. This is covenantal territory. He is in our territory. He is in violation of God. And so I am going to do the same thing I did when I was watching the sheep. I see this guy come in. I am going to represent the justice of God. And I'm going, I'll kill him with whatever I need to. I'll, I'll flick his eyeball until he dies. I'll slap him in the face. I, I'll kick him until he dies. He never mentioned his slingshot before or after even. Goliath didn't go, you come at me with a stick. David said, you think this is my weapon? I come to you in the name, the name of God. Then he just went like, what's the smallest thing I can kill this big mouth with? He gets the smallest rock and he falls down in front of him and he, you know, big ugly head. It's like, sorry for the bloody stuff here, but was this the problem, people? Then all of a sudden the whole nation that's waiting for the rapture goes, Yeah! Anyway, that's another story. We're kind of going all over the place, as you see. So, but this is important. So, we're talking about the seven mountains. We go to the mountain of religion where the church is. The principality of the mountain is the the spirit of religion, the religious spirit. So the devil, he's heard the words of Jesus. He can read the Bible. He's read where it says, and I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. So he tells his guys, he says, boys, come here. He's like, there's only one group that can stop us on earth and it's the church. So religious spirit, you go and you get into their seminaries. You go into their places of instruction you headquarters of denominations, headquarters of spiritual movements. You make sure you keep them, whatever doctrine you come up with, you keep them on their mountain. The good idea, he says, get them thinking Jesus is coming any moment, so just hang on. Hang on, it's hard, hang on. Sell that one. If you can sell that one, that will help us. That'll keep them all away. They'll be, don't worry, let them even have a few revivals on their church, in their church mountain. Let them have some good meetings. As long as they stay on their mountain. We'll just take their government, their media, their education. And then one of those times they're in there just hopping around. We'll just pull the rug out from the whole thing. Like they just did in Venezuela. Friends, so many churches shut down. They were having amazing meetings. Amazing, those amazing meetings did not stop that from happening because they did not show up where they also needed to show up. See, I will build my church. I think Dutch mentioned last night that word 
church was a non-religious word. He could have used the word temple. He could have used the word synagogue. He could have said, I will build my temple. I will build my synagogue. But he used a non-religious word. I will build my ecclesia. Never before used in the way we think of it. This is a group, a council that meets for practical solutions for every area of society. I will build my group that leaves the church, goes to the tops of the mountains, inquires of the Lord, brings his presence, brings his solutions, and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. That's why the enemy wants us off the gates of hell. Because as soon as we show up, he's done for. Jericho was not a complicated plan they needed to bring. They needed to show up. But you need to show up with his presence. You need to show up seeking solutions from him. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We don't have to be near as sophisticated as we think we do. We got to be way more obedient than what we think we need to do. Be. couple more scriptures and then I want to do some ministry time here. So again, I want to make sure you get the rainbow connection again. Genesis 1, 26 through 28 says, God said, let us make man in our image and essentially let man in our image have dominion over everything. Now we know that the reason he said, let us, he didn't say, let me, or I'm going to is because the Trinity, they operate as a team. Everything God does, he likes to do as us. Even the Trinity does nothing alone. They want to do everything together. His whole plan for earth is God could do everything with a word, literally. He literally can extinguish Satan in a word. But he loves doing things together. He loves teamwork. He's got... Father's got his part. The Holy Spirit had his part. Jesus has his part. The angels have their part. They do a lot more of the heavy lifting than we do. But he wants us involved in it as well. He doesn't need us in the neatest kind of way we think he needs us. He's chosen to need us. We have definitely handicapped him. (laughs) The awesomeness of his story is going to be like he used such weaklings to do such amazing things. And it's because we have this uh, great teamwork. But let us make man in our image. Let man in our image have dominion over everything. And so we already knew that God is one and three. And what I explained to you, just want to re-hit that again, is that God is one, three, and seven. And again, the seven spirits of God is not new heresy. It is what I already read to you or told you about Revelation 4, 5. There's seven spirits of God, blazing flames of fire around the throne. There's seven spirit. The lamb came with horns and eyes. There was vision and power to accomplish everything that needed to be accomplished so that the kingdom of God could show up on earth. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God is where that whole storyline ends. And so, studies have shown, I don't remember if I told you this part already or not, but, That if a pastor is looking at his congregation, only 3% of his congregation, only 3% are ever going to have a traditional ministry role or assignment. He's only 3% max. 
are ever going to be, you know, traditional pastors, youth pastors, missionaries, evangelists, etc., etc., etc. Do the math on that. It tells you that that means 97% of you, your primary assignment is going to be on one of the other mountains. And the problem is the church hasn't been told this. And so you have 100% trying to figure out how to have some pulpit time. Oh, Lord, may the youth pastor fall in sin so maybe I could be next. Lord, let Jezebel take that leader, worship leader, and maybe I'll be there next. You know, I'm not saying that happens exactly, even though I've heard some pretty scary things there. But when we don't expand the vision, when we don't celebrate where else the kingdom of God is supposed to show up, that's where the body of Christ is left. So we have this massive orphan spirit on the body of Christ. Everywhere I go around the world, I like to ask pastors, what's the biggest challenge? What's the biggest problem you see with your congregation, with your people? And they say, identity, identity. They don't know who they are. Identity. Everybody's working on identity and there's conferences for identity, etc. And it's good. It is the problem. But the reason it's a problem is when you don't tell the 97% that their primary assignment of ministry is Monday through Friday, Saturday, whatever, on some other mountain of society, then they don't know where to show up. They don't know where to get their value from. And so they feel like an orphan. You can tell them, he loves you. He's for, you can get them to read every morning. I'm the God is for me. He, you can read the whole list of everything, how much he's for you. But if there's something inside of you that says, if I'm so important, why, why, why don't I have an important assignment? And you, and you cannot get enough outside, or it's just say it's rare for someone to get enough outside input to change their mind on that perception. If you don't feel like you have an important assignment, you go, I'm really just not important. And it's impossible for you not to be important. Scripture says his thoughts for us cannot be numbered. Is it possible for God to have an unimportant thought? then it's impossible for you not to be important. He gets to define what importance is. And, and you're not supposed to be going looking for that. But you were made, especially in this day and age, you were made for something important. I mean, the showtime of all showtimes is upon us now. And he needs 100% of you activated. of you activated as a minister of the gospel. 100% of you are ministers. And your assignment on the other mountains are not just to get people saved. Again, we don't have enough time, but in the resources we go, what the assignment on every mountain is. The mountain of media, you bring the spirit of good news, you break the spirit of bad news. The mountain of arts and entertainment, you come with the greater creativity the greater joy. You show that he is the most fun, creative person on the planet. And that wins people over. The mountain of education. You come outside of the spirit of humanism. Really takes too long to explain the assignment. Mount by mountain, there is an assignment. That's what's in our resources, our books. And we're t- uh, I tell you about them. Not because I'm trying to sell them. But really the body of Christ. We have to wake up now for this. It's time to wake up this assignment. 100% of you. There is something amazing before you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much in debt you are. I don't care how sick you are. There's something, I believe the Lord wants to come on many. 
I'm hoping all of you tonight in a unique way. In just a minute, we're going to give an opportunity uh, for that. But I want you to know that the rainbow army of God is getting activated on planet earth. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They absolutely will not prevail against it. This has been determined already. The only thing to be determined is who will be the people that rise and shine with his nature, with his image. Jesus and his very, we're going back. These are the two scriptures I want to mention. I already mentioned one. In his very first message, people say, what, how, is this a new message, Seth Mountains? No, this is getting back to Jesus' original message. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's all about the kingdom coming on earth. His third line is, you shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Before he ever talks about inheriting heaven, he's telling about inheriting the earth. Telling us the earth is important. And it's here to stay. Several places in scripture, the righteous will inherit the earth. Inheritance, not a lease, not a loan. It's forever, especially if it's from God. The new Jerusalem ultimately descends on earth. And in that first message, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its savor, it is good for nothing but to be trampled upon and cast out. He's never changed his mind from that initial message. You are the salt of the earth. He told his first congregation that. Before he ever told them about how to say the sinner's prayer and go to heaven, he didn't tell them that. He told them they were the salt of the earth. And salt was something that had a greater use and value than what we have for now. It wasn't like, you need to provide good flavor for some rice and fries. That's not what he was saying. It was even so valuable that they paid salary. That's where the word salary comes from, sal, salary. Salt was valuable, but it was also the preserver of meat. They didn't have refrigerators. So the way you would keep the meat protected and from rotting the longest ever, you put a, you cake a lot of salt on both sides, you hang out your piece of steak, and that's how it would last the longest. So he, in essence, was saying, you are the preservers of your society. That's what he said to his first congregation before he ever told them how to get saved. You are the preservers of your society. <clears throat> Wherever you don't go with who I am, it will rot. And when it rots, it will trample you. If you do not take me in the government... Government will rot. And when it rots, it will come and trample you. If you don't take me into Hollywood, Hollywood will rot. When Hollywood rots, it will come and trample you. If you don't take me into Wall Street, Wall Street will rot. And when it rots, it will come and trample you. Etc., etc., mountain by mountain. See, we further messed up that whole narrative, that whole perspective by saying, Jesus has to be coming because things are falling apart. His first message, he said, Everything's going to fall apart if you stay in the salt. Shaker. The church. If you stay in the salt shaker, everything will rot. Everything will go bad. But if you learn to take me into society, if you learn to carry my presence, if you learn to carry my solutions, to carry my love, all manifestations of his love, there is a nuanced manifestation of his love designed to be showcased in every one of those mountains. We go in detail on that in that Rainbow God series. 
It's love is the answer in every single mountain. But we act like the answer of love is, yeah, love, yeah, what's the love of God? Well, he died on the cross. As if that's the only way he showcased his love. That's only one way he showcases his love. In heaven, he showcases all seven ways that he does things. Heaven has the seven mountains. We're going to feel love with the way his government operates. Do you know there's government in heaven? Sorry for you libertarians. There is government in heaven. Nobody complains. Why? Because there is a glory to a properly executed government. There is an economy in heaven, but not like here. It operates whatever he wants. He speaks it and it happens. Every one of you is getting a mansion. It's being added to daily. I don't know if daily, but often. He doesn't have a building team. He doesn't have immigrants come in and do it. The same way he makes things happen there, you can download it here and it happens here on earth. The Lord showed me that. So I meet with the mayor and I said, the Lord told me, tell you he's going to help you with your city. And your city's broke, has no money. What's soon going to be discovered in your city is it's going to be two salt mines. There's going to be a silver mine, a zinc mine, a touristic waterfalls, touristic thermal springs, and a lost city, the Incas. That all happened in 18 months in a city. So I come back. I'm giving the keys to the city. That's part of a documentary we're doing. That's just one part of the story. How did that happen? Same way he does stuff up there. So you learn on earth as it is in heaven. What's the reference point? As it is in heaven. How does he do the stuff? How does he educate? How does he do family? How does he run government? You look into that. You study. That's what our resource Rainbow God is. We study who God is, how he is based on what we know. And then we take that into society and that light displaces darkness. And that's where we're going. You want a prophetic word for 2019? That's where we're going. That's what you're awakening to. That's what you're arising and shining to. It's the purpose of the revival you're talking about. Revival that doesn't know how to process and add reformation to it is just incomplete, but it's okay. We want to be revived. I'm revived. But I'm after reformation. See, revival is, then I'll go ministry time. The last thing I have to say on this. Revival is what happens in your free time. Sundays, nights, special events. Reformation is what happens in your nine to five world. The kingdom of God was not just designed to show up in special occasions wasn't just designed to show up on Sundays, weekends, night meetings. The kingdom of God is designed to be showcased, to show up, to be awesome. Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. All right. Here's what I want to do, closing. I believe the Lord wants to confirm to many of you a mountain that you have an assignment to. And that he wants to do so supernaturally tonight. And there's going to be signs and wonders that happen in a physical manifestation that takes place in your body. He had me begin doing this starting a couple years ago because of my, I have an impatience, okay? It's, the patience is not a gift to fruit of the spirit or nothing. But, you know, God, I, he just, I, I think he's okay with it. Because, like, I push for things. And I say, God, this thing is going too slow. I said, people, even who love this message, are like, but what's my mountain? Where do I, I don't, how? 
and we're also developing other, I don't know if Elizabeth may tell more about those resources tomorrow, something that the Lord has us doing really to, to uh, help a whole generation arise and connect. But, where was I? Your mountain. Your color. Supernatural discovery. So is it okay if there's signs and wonders you've never heard of or thought of before? Now, so there's going to be, I'm going to tell you in just a moment. They're going to be like, there's going to be a sign in one hand, a sign in another hand, a sign in the feet, a sign, and I'm going to tell you what they're related to in a moment. But I want to tell you beforehand, there's four different ways you can be called to a mount, four different ways that I've identified. Because some of you are going to be shocked. You're going to get a confirmation. You're called to government. And you're like, I hate politics. One of the first signs of being called to government. No. <clears throat> so when the Lord first told me to meet a mayor, I was like, what the heck for? I don't want to do, I don't need that. He's like, I'm not asking you. So, okay. Okay, number one, I want to make sure you understand these because this is important. Because some of you, even now, you may have had prophesied. If some of you who know the terminology of the seven mountains, you're like, I, I, I'm too old. I can't go back and study. I can't do one of the, okay, first of all, know that one of the primary purposes of you even receiving this revelation, if you've never had it before, is for you to tell your kids, your grandkids, depending on your age, all that. This, like, you better fill them with so much hope about what's ahead for them what they might be called to do. This is, this is a way the church can begin to make room for the prodigals to come back. We keep talking about the prodigals coming back. They're not coming back to the same diet. I'll just tell you that right now. There's got to be more presence. There's got to be more vision. There's got to be a different narrative. But the narrative, they will come to this. When I go around and preach to kids, they love this message. I was in a school in Peru. I wasn't going to tell. There were five, six, seven-year-olds, 200, 100, 200. I don't remember how many were there. And I, they said, hey, just do what you want with them. And I'm like, okay. I go, what do you all want to do when you grow up? And they tell me all the stuff. And then we had signs and wonders for them. And they're just all like, I don't have time. What did I say? I don't have time for that testimony. Okay, back to where we are right now today. <clears throat> Number one is you can be the protagonist on a mountain. By that, it means that's what makes sense. Like you call to the mountain of government, and you're like, oh, a politician. Uh, maybe I run for something. That could be one way. Uh, mountain of media, okay, I'm a reporter of some sort. Mountain of education, teacher. Number two, you could be called to be an advisor or a friend to the protagonist. Like Joseph's, Nehemiah's, Daniel's, those guys, they were government effectors. But they, didn't, weren't, they weren't the politicians themselves. They were the friends, the advisors too. So you can have that assignment. A third way you can have an assignment as an intercessor on that mountain. And the fourth way as a financer. And you could be all four as well. But you have to understand the mountains really, they are going to be cleared out. Everything's going to change. It's going to cost a lot of money to bring in the new structures. Seven Mountains is not about telling people they can get saved on their mountain. It's about bringing heaven's systems on earth. And they're going to cost some money as well. And if you know in government, political 
Campaigns cost money as well. So you can be called. If the Lord gives you these signals tonight, just be aware that it may not be in the traditional way you're thinking. It's not that if you get a confirmation for government, you're like, oh my goodness, when do I start my campaign for mayor? It doesn't necessarily mean that. In fact, it's all designed for you to begin a conversation with the Lord in a whole new way. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. This podcast was made available by contributions from listeners like you. To donate, go online to restore7.org. Thank you.